You're listening to the Wellness Warrior Podcast. This podcast is for those of you who want to improve your mindset, radically transform your health, and get back more time to pursue what matters most to you. I'll be interviewing some of the most successful individuals, professionals, doctors, and even just normal everyday people who are sharing the message of hope, health, and wholeness. They're going to be integrating their own holistic health principles in their own life, which means we're going to be talking about organic food, essential oils, sustainability, regenerative farming, clean food, plant medicines, all of this great stuff. And on top of that, I'm going to be sharing health tips, workout tips, motivation, inspiration, and how to do all of this in college nonetheless. So you're going to walk away with actionable steps that are going to help you to solve your problems. If any of this sounds interesting to you, you're going to want to listen to this podcast right now. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's guest is romantic visual artist, pioneer, and unconventional designer Jeff Garner, who is leading the evolution of sustainable fashion and changing our perception of luxury. Born in the Civil War town of Franklin, Tennessee, and raised on a horse farm, Garner grew up with a connectedness to nature and a peaceful understanding of the world that many of us don't get to experience. His fashion label, Prophetic, was born when he decided to combine his love for his surroundings with his artistic desires. Jeff's ultimate vision is to bring awareness to the toxins found in commercial synthetic fashion and the health implications to the human body to allow everyone informed choice when it comes to what they put on their bodies. Super important stuff. Great conversation today. So without further ado, let's welcome Jeff Garner. Hello, Jeff, and welcome to the Wellness Warrior podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get started with all the juicy stuff today, I like to first ask all my guests, how do you define optimal health? Optimal health. That's a good one. Um, You know what? I would say simply live in your fullest every day without um, the idea of needing anything to, you know, um, to act and or produce and or design or think like we're in a world of today that we so many synthetics and man-made products to help us live a convenient life. So in my viewpoint, I think the healthiest life is the most natural life. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And we, we have everything we need right here, right inside of us, right? We don't oh, need all these absolutely. external things. Absolutely. Our bodies are amazing, amazing designs. So for sure. So I just want to dive right in and hear your story. So for those listening that don't know, Jeff is a romantic visual artist, pioneer and unconventional designer with a commitment to creating distinctive, sustainable and eco-friendly fashion. He's been named one of the top 40 artists in the U.S., he has his works permanently placed in the Smithsonian's Renwick Gallery. He's dressed numerous artists such as Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, Sheryl Crow, and he's won an Emmy for his documentary on sustainable fashion called Remastered. And I really don't even know where to start with all that because you are seriously (laughs) one heck of a gentleman. And when I stumbled across you in your documentary, I was just so intrigued and inspired and really just in like total awe. So I just want to know what's your story and what led you down this path to where you are now? Sure. Yeah, that's uh, always, yeah, it's interesting to hear the accolades. I'm like, wow, I've been doing this a long time. Um, 
so the beginning of the path started in Tennessee, growing up on a horse farm, just being in tune with nature and design and biomimicry. Um, and simply, I just started designing for a lot of my bandmates who were in these music, beautiful music careers. And, and they were had a disconnection with how they visually presented themselves along with their art artistry of, you know, audible music. So I started down that path and which led me out to California eventually. And then I started working for an artist named Barry Manilow who took me more internationally. And then, you know, I learned a lot from stage clothing to merchandise and I was getting into production. And, and that's when I really discovered like how sensitive I was to like, for example, like the printing they were using plastisol inks and to, you know, the dye vats and to the fabrications alone. I was like, what is all this stuff? So you got to understand, I grew up like really in, in like the country of Tennessee and my grandparents lived up in the Smoky Mountains. So at organic garden and I was just raised in this very sensible arena of wearing natural fabrics and eating organically and anything besides that was really I don't know it, it, I was just super sensitive so when I got into it I was like well shoot I either have to stop doing what I love or try to figure out a different way and that's kind of what led me down the path of discovering more sustainable solutions so it wasn't like one of these brands saying, oh, now we got to start adding in this green thing and this eco thing and da 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 to be like politically correct. It was always at the forefront was how do I print this band t-shirt differently so that this plastisol ink doesn't off gas and hurt me and hurt the guy making the t-shirt. So I, you know, like all of our scientific minds that we have, we go back to the, you know, where all this comes from. So I went back to Will Flex Inc. in Atlanta, Georgia, for example, and said, hey, I know you make your inks out of this, but have you ever thought about this? And then they said, ooh, that's a good challenge. And so that's kind of what happened. I started working with like, you know, the ink makers, the textile companies and figuring out solutions. And they were excited about it because, you know, everyone loves Elon Musk. We're like, we're excited about the future capabilities of our, you know, of what we can create and, and, and bring to the table that could impact the future and the world in a positive way. So that's how I got a lot of things done back then because nobody's ever heard of it. They think you're crazy. They think there's not a market for it, you know, cause everyone's worried about commercialization and can they get their money back when they develop things? So, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, kind of how it all began and is continuing so i'm working on a fabric right now that is uh i'm trying to basically there's a coffee company that has access you know you have coffee husk which is throwaway you have you know after you use the coffee product you have all that so it's like can we make something out of that yeah we can we can make some some, some fabric so that's you know so it's not going to stop so yeah so all that to say is yeah that's kind of been the journey and then obviously everyone loves hearing about, oh, you dress so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, I've dressed a lot of fun people. And, you know, um, a lot of them are just friends. It's not like, you know, in the fashion industry, a lot of these bigger companies like Ruffalo et cetera, they pay to play. So they like pay, sponsor someone to wear their stuff on the red carpet or on these events. But we've never done that. I think people just naturally love what we're trying to do and they're wanting to support, a, you know, 
something different. Like Giselle is great. She's she loves. Uh, she was wore wore an indigo. I dyed this indigo dress uh, made of hemp, and she wore it to the Reinforced Alliance Gala in New York, and actually went with her. And it was cool. The headlines read, read "Giselle wears hemp." It was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty awesome stuff. Um, so to jump back a little in your story, when you had this, you had a childhood basically surrounded in nature, it sounds like. Um, yeah. How do you feel kind of about where our society is at now and how we're really deviating from all of this natural stuff? Like, especially in today's world, a sure. lot of people don't even step foot outside to see sunlight because of, you know, just what's going on globally. Um, so how do you see this like separation from nature affecting our health and the world at large? Yeah. I mean, obviously our bodies were designed to be in nature, immersed in nature. That's why I don't care what background, you know, what color, what culture, what anyone connects with nature, with the big redwoods, with the forest. I mean, walk just walking you know on grass versus concrete so that's in our dna structure so there's something that says wow we're connected when we take off those shoes and put our feet in the dirt and yeah we're missing that because today's society um you know simply prides itself on trying to control nature um to make everything clean and in, in less dirty and so that's hence the concrete and you know but we never really realize what that does to our health and our bodies so you know I've always lived either you know I live on the beach in Malibu and then also have a farm in Tennessee so I've always been outdoors every day but I heard a stat the other day that I think people spend 94 percent of their time inside and that's shocking to me um but I see it in my friend said, I see it, you know, I teach horseback riding lessons on my downtime. So young kids and, you know, some of these kids have never seen a horse before. And you're like, really? And I have an 18 year old daughter now. And I remember having a birthday party at the farm and these kids live in Tennessee around nature. And half of them were like, what is that? I go, that's a briar. Like, don't worry. It kind of, you know, sticks to you. You just pull it off. Like never been in the woods before you know, in a, in a very, you know, um, you know, well-to-do park, you know, that's very curated, but they've never been in the woods. So that to me started like, okay, what you're saying is, is true. We're disconnecting from nature and that's got to have an effect on our souls, our body, our mental state, et cetera. Yeah. And it almost goes back to what you were just talking about with your optimal definition of wellness um, cause I know like technology, the whole point of technology is to surpass nature almost to become like superhuman, but we yeah. already, we already have that inside of us. We are the ultimate technology and we just have to realize that and stop looking for all these things outside of us. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much time is spent on these phones and things. Everyone makes fun of me cause I don't, I've never owned a TV and I do have a phone. Um, I have a laptop that I never use. But yeah, they're just like, Jeff, how do you operate? I'm like, well, I operate very precisely. I get done what I need to get done. And, you know, I have those, but it's, you don't have to get addicted to that, you know, that kind of culture. Um, 
but it's hard because it's so prevalent and so many people are doing it and the kids are influenced by their other friend sets and that kind of thing. So it's hard to step away from, but yeah, it's so important. But I think because of the timing right now, obviously we're all sitting in our homes, but I think a lot of people are getting back to nature now because they have the quote time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. It'd be an interesting case study, but yeah, I firmly believe in just getting nature every day and that would solve a lot of the world's problems, relationship problems, work problems. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. So to shift gears a little bit now, um, back to fashion. So you've been in the fashion industry for almost two decades, I think. Um, What has that experience been like? Like, what have you learned? What have you seen that's been shocking to you? Like, what secrets are they keeping from consumers? I I mean, I guess that's quite the that's quite the loaded question. But just what's your overall impression (laughs) of the mainstream kind of fashion industry? Well, to be fair, I never intentionally was trying to get into it. I thought it was very fickle, very fake. So I'm a Tennessee boy. I grew up on a farm. Like we just kind of say it how it is. And we, you know, we build things. We don't talk about things. We like, you know, know how to change tires. I mean, you know, so when I got into it, I realized like, wow, it's, it's a mask. It's like um, the things would say discuss how they do business. Um, you know, it's a lot of marketing, pushing product that people don't need. Um, but the art of fashion is what I enjoyed the most, obviously, and connected with. So as an artist, I was like, okay, how can you be an artist in a very uh, commercial world of fashion that basically steals from artists, like ideas, concepts, designs, and makes it, you know, commercially so that they, you know, these guys, Garmentos, make the money and sell on all their retails and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to feel like I'm complimented when people start copying ideas and stuff. I'll take that as a compliment because you cannot really stop that as an artist, but you don't want to focus on that either. You want to focus on the positive, on the good. And that's what I had to do because I saw kind of the desperation in in the industry of survivalism and then fast fashion, which is all based on selling again product that people don't need at a price point that, is obviously affecting the world in the sense of manufacturing and toxins and synthetics, what's going on in people's bodies. So it's made of cheap ingredients and made cheaply. So, you know, we're still buying t-shirts at the same price as we were in the seventies. Everything else has gone up like gas and house costs and insurance, et cetera. So it's interesting to find that fast fashion is still in this price point category from the seventies. And you gotta, you gotta like, question that it's like what what's that about so yeah so that's disappointing that there's not this ethical code of conduct in the fashion industry that people have to be accountable to so pretty much anything goes for example i can make you a pair of jeans cut them sew them up give them to you or sell them to you or put them in a store the excess denim that i from my pattern i have to discard as toxic waste if I throw it in a trash can, I could get fined. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So Jeez. I'm allowed, yeah, like I'm allowed to make this product out of this fabric, but I can't discard the extra. So it's just, it's obviously based on a commercial, you know, capitalistic system of 
we're just not going to regulate it because we can make things for cheaper and, and bring it over from other factories around the world because we're not polluting our own world in the U.S. And so, yeah, it's, it's disheartening because the consumers don't understand this. They assume what's on the shelf is healthy for them, is okay. Some, some you know, boogeyman somewhere gave the okay in the check that it's not going to harm you. That's not the case. You know, nobody validates that. Um, you know, the FDA or, you know, there's not a police out there that regulates it, fortunately. So, you know, I wish there was some policy that said, hey, this denim has formaldehyde, this, this, and this in it, which has been known in the state of California and or wherever to cause cancer. That would be great. Then people have awareness, be like, oh, well, this has something in it. Well, I like it anyways. I'm still going to buy it and or I'm not going to take the chance. And right now, people don't have that educated decision because they don't know. Yeah, I, so, I think... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 please. Yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, I think that's one of the like biggest shortcomings with just fashion and clothing and apparel is that it's such a cheap commodity item and we lose kind of the stories and the process behind it. We only see what's on the shelf. We only see like that price tag. We don't see the worker in the terrible conditions with like 80 cent day compensation. We don't see the people who like have lost their lives in like these mass production factory disasters just because there weren't any safety regulations. And we don't see the transportation of the fabrics and the materials and we just don't see any of that. We don't, we're not aware of it. Nobody's been educated to know the, like just as something as simple as a t-shirt, the whole process is complex. Like it's traveling all around the globe with all these chemicals and all this stuff. Um, and it really is just quite jarring. Yeah. There's a disconnect obviously. And, and that's why all of production is pretty much overseas. Um, so they don't see the kind of the nasty Pearl river flowing with our, dies from gap or something like they just you know, they don't want to see it so they might change their consumerism if they did see it but there's been a lot of stories and obviously events have happened that have brought attention to it so you know i think people are more aware about manufacturing processes now um however i don't think they're in tune with what's in the fabrications or the dyes and how that affects their health and their body. And that's to me the most dirty secret because it's not spoken about because the fashion industry can't curtail around it. There's no way around it. They would have to literally change everything, change their fabrications, change their dyes. And that would be money and be expensive. And they couldn't sell a t-shirt for seven bucks or a bra for 15 bucks. Like there's, I can't even buy my fabric for that. So they would technically, a lot of them would go out of business. So you could understand why they're not talking about it. Um, why they're trying to bring the attention of the consumer to other areas so they can continue doing what they're doing. And that's, that's to me is the most disheartening thing is because they're still getting away with it. Um, unfortunately, but you know, I'm hoping that enough people will hear these podcasts, we'll see the documentary, we'll see shows, and then we'll start asking the same questions. And then everybody kind of move forward in one group consciousness and try to shift it. Because, you know, a lot of misconception is like, for example, let's, I'm not going to name names, but this corporate giant retailer goes to China, 
eats up the factory and says, we need this pair of denim for $6. So the factory owner says, well, I, you know, I can't really do that. They're like, take it or leave it. We'll give you an order for like a million. And he's like, well, you know, I, I'm not got a contract right now. I need the contract. So will take on the job. So then who, you know, who is, does that affect? It obviously affects his workers. It affects the conditions of the workers. So if we can, but like say the consumers of that big retail giant who is an everyday American, you know, company, if they go into that company, let's say they charge 25 cents more for this pair of denim. Most consumers would pay it if they knew the conditions were going to be better for the workers. That's never translated. So this corporate giant just comes in, beats them up, gets it as cheap as possible, sells a product as cheap as possible because that's their motto. We're everyday low prices, blah, blah, blah. And so that, therefore it's never going to change. And if that you know, producer, that contractor says no to that contract, well, that big corporate giant is going to take it to another guy that will do it or take it to a different country that will do it. And that's the unfortunate bit. So we got to change the consumers that are buying from that in this one company. I wish I, I would, could say the name, but I've never shopped there. I will never shop there because I know their dirty secret. I've been to their factories in China. I've seen the conditions and they say they certify them and have somebody check it out, make sure it's, it's, it's all BS. They don't do that. They just do it for, to appease everyone. Um, so it's interesting, but until consumers demand, you know, transparency to those. But then again, consumers are addicted to cheap fashion. They want the cheap prices. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say, but 25 cents, nobody's going to blink at it. A dollar, nobody's going to really blink at it, right, for that product. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, that, that's really disheartening. So let's keep talking about the toxins. What are kind of the big offenders in terms of toxic chemicals, dyes or materials, or even companies? And how are these things impacting our health? Sure. I mean, that's, whew, that's a, that's a big one. Um, you know, the easiest way to explain this is that our skin as an organism is so permeable, especially the scrotum men's scrotum. So like, that's why we do hemp boxers for men and hemp bras for the ladies, because I believe what we put on our bodies affects our health. And um, so if you imagine putting fabrics on there, for example, polyester, nylon, it's not breathable. It's not porous in nature, not like a natural fiber. It was designed in a laboratory. So it's, it's basically like, you know, putting in a wall, like it's just, there's no breathability for one, two, you have formaldehyde in all of that. So formaldehyde is like sets everything. So you obviously heard of it before, but it is, you know, carcinogenic. So there is other elements to that, like the heavy dyes in the metal and heavy metals in the dyes, synthetic dyes, uh, like chromium, you know, without getting too technical. So it's a concoction of just cheap ingredients that, as people are aware in today's society, they look what's in their food, they turn over the label, they look at the ingredients, they're looking for organic or they're looking for a name that they've never heard of before that they know is not good for them, it ends in sulfate or something like that, you know? And 
what the problem is, we don't have any of that listing or ingredients on our clothing today. So as you can imagine, majority of the manufacturing is done cheaply with cheap ingredients, cheap dyes. Um, so, you know, that's the main thing. Um, for example, like acrylic was made, designed and developed in the 1950s to mimic wool. So the idea was that these women would be staying, you know, during the 1950s were majority staying at home, you know, and taking care of the house needs and whatnot. So they were tired of washing wool sweaters and wool pants and trousers, et cetera. So acrylic got introduced because it basically allowed them to wash them in the machine. And so you go back to why these things were created. Well, it's created for convenience and a cheaper price point, just like the, you know, I've talked about it before in a few podcasts, but you have silk that the ladies' stockings were made out of silk. Now they're made out of nylon because during the war, we ran out of silk for the parachutes, replaced it with nylon, which we mimicked in the laboratory, again, biomimicry. And that was introduced in society. And they were like, wow, this is cheap and easy to make. So therefore, women started wearing underwear out of nylon as well. So what happened was that people didn't study the synergy of effect. What happens when you wear this nylon, you know, legging all day long versus silk? And that's when you see the numbers start climbing in cancers and other diseases. So again, the body needs to breathe. It was designed to not have anything on top of it. And that's the disconnect. It's like we were designed to be nude originally. So now we started clothing ourselves. Well, it's going to have an impact what we put on top of it, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that's crazy how this isn't talked about. And especially in regards to our health like that, like I'm a huge proponent for the dietary and lifestyle changes and like the fashion clothing is kind of a piece of the puzzle that often gets overlooked because it's just not something you think you should need to even think about in the first place. And like you said, they don't have labels like on food boxes um, with all those ingredients listed. Um, and basically the huge key to like health and well-being is just removing toxins because they're everywhere. They're in the food, in the air, household products, they're all over the place. And if we just remove those toxins and remove that interference, that's when our bodies become like super healing machines. And so with the clothing thing, am I correct in hearing? So you're saying kind of with the clothing, it's transferring toxins to our body and at the same time kind of hindering our natural ability to detox the other toxins that are already in our body? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So, you know, there's tons of studies out there that support and show that you're scan absorbs anything you put on it so you got to look at what you put on your body yeah and so like they did a study with athletes um they had them you know like say a tennis player and they were playing and all these guys are sponsored by adidas and all these companies nike etc so they're wearing the latest and greatest from those companies right and they're mostly wicker wear which is like polyester spray with this nasty chemical and so it looks good and it's tight fitting a lot of spandex in it and they look very athletic out there, but they did a study with just a normal, you know, tennis player and, and they basically plugged them up and they realized that the muscles fatigue 25% faster wearing that versus wearing like just a organic cotton t-shirt or 
you know, polo or whatever. So it's interesting, you know, that, yeah, I mean, as an athlete, you want to be at your top performance level, yet you're wearing something that actually is going to zap your muscle and make it weaker because of the breathability, because it's putting toxins into your system as you're sweating, et cetera. So it's these things that are like, you know, they could really, once they get out there, it could really like make an impact. It's just, it's gotta be a, you know, a mental shift really. Um, and I had it when I was young, so I haven't worn anything synthetic for a long time. And if I ever touch something or put something on my body that is, I can feel it immediately. Um, but yeah, so I, um, you know, to go more specifically like, like nylon, like, so I surf every day. I've made my own board shorts out of silk because I don't want to be a gentleman out there in the sun with the UV rays hitting my nylon because that would affect obviously my prostate. So I made silk board shorts because like, you know, to go a little bit deeper, like nylon was developed by DuPont in 1935, I think it's a thermoplastic. Um, and, you know, it's made like, I think caustic soda, chloroform, sulfuric acid, formidahyde, and it off-gasses nitrous um, oxides and carbon monoxide. So, so UV rays hit it, you're getting carbon monoxide. Like people don't understand how gnarly nylon is, but they don't ask it. So the swimsuits, the bras, underwear, socks all have nylon in it. Um, so it's crazy to me. Um, but, it, you know, again, people are just, are just buying off the shelf. And yeah. So what are some of the natural and more safer alternatives that people should be looking to kind of swap out? I know you mentioned organic cotton was one, I think hemp earlier. Uh, what else? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of hemp. So obviously I like silk for the women and the gowns and it has a, you know, the property again, biomimicry. So if nylon mimics silk, so basically anything that's you have it, that's nylon could be silk. Anything that's made of polyester could be hemp, right? Um, anything that is, uh, you know, you got your linen, you got your organic cotton, you got flax, you have seaweed even. They make fabric out of seaweed, cactus silk in Morocco. Like there's some beautiful fabrics out there, but it's going to cost more than a nylon or a polyester will. And that's why. It's like a one to 10 difference, you know. You could say you buy a, a yard of nylon for a dollar, you're paying $10 for silk. Right. And that's, and that's why, you know, most of these companies use nylon and polyester. Yeah. And it, it all comes down to those individual choices. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can we empower individuals to really hear this message and make these uh, choices that might be more expensive as an example? It's a tough one because, again, I hinted to it earlier, but we're a society addicted to cheap price points. So obviously we weigh what we spend money on. And it's funny, like when people go shopping for clothing, they may have gone out to eat the night before with a friend, had a few drinks, and they dropped $40. But you get them in a store, they're not going to want to pay $40 for a pair of hemp boxers. They want to buy the boxers like for like $4. It's very interesting. So they can, in their mind, save money. So there's this weird disconnect and also, again, addiction to cheap price points. So it's hard to break that 
addiction cycle, even with awareness. So I could sit here and tell you about it, but mm -hmm. tomorrow are you going to go out and, and buy a hemp t-shirt that's, you know, 35, $40 versus the cotton, you know, or polyester t-shirt you're wearing now that you got for, for 10, I don't know. Um, and that's really what you're up against. So I think it's awareness plus breaking the addiction cycles um, and then setting up policy and regulations. So these companies have to, you know, put what's in them. And if something is harmful in those fabrications should list that. Yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up here, I know a lot of my listeners are going to be very interested in this stuff. So is there anywhere you want to point the listeners to or where can we find out more about you and maybe go get ourselves a pair of those hemp hemp boxer briefs? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we do hemp boxer briefs for men and we do hemp bras for ladies and it's all on our Wolf and Rose um, site. And then um, so it's wolfandrose.com. But you know, there's basically tons of studies um, and books on this. Uh, you know, there's, um, I'm trying to think of the best ones. There's a lot of blogs, like Goop has some good blogs on it. Um, but the, you know, there's the best book, there's a book called um, Killer Clothes, and that's amazing. It kind of dissects all this in a very general way, but it's good. Um, and yeah, I mean, the main thing with everyone listening, you just need to be, you know, as careful you are, as you are with what you're eating, be as careful as, as that with your clothing. So anything new you buy from this day forward, check and see what's in it, what it's made of. And if it's not good stuff, then wait for something or research, you know, something better because it is out there. There are small guys out there making, you know, independently making things on Etsy and you know, you have to look for them maybe in Europe. Um, you know, the French are really good about using natural fabrics. So, yeah, it's going to be more of a journey. It's not going to be going down to your neighborhood store and going shopping for on the sale rack. But um, that's that's the thing. But these items should last longer um, and they're healthier for you. So I always tell my buddies, I'm like, you know, you're going to pay for it later via your body or doctor visits or whatever. So might as well invest your money now and good, good things to wear every day while you're young. So. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question and this, you kind of just almost answered it maybe, but if you could give just one piece of actionable advice or a question for people to think about or anything across the board, what's the one thing that you want to leave the listeners with today? First, you need to get with Matt and get our hemp boxers. So you need to, you, you can change that tomorrow. <laughs> but um, my, you know, the closest thing to your body is your intimates. So I'd change that immediately. There's enough organic cotton stuff out there that doesn't die. It's just natural color that you can get into. And then secondly, your sheets. You sleep in them eight hours a night. Your body, typically I sleep four, but your body naturally off gases you know, um, the toxins at night. So you should sleep nude and you should sleep in breathable sheets, whether organic cotton or linen or hemp. And that's something you could change. And that will make a major impact. Um, if you think about it, cause you're in this little cocoon, right? So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeff. It was seriously a great conversation and I'm really grateful to have spent this time with you today. 
Thanks, buddy. Appreciate what you're doing. All right. Talk soon. For sure. So this has been your host, Jacob Keneally. Hello, wellness warriors. You've made it to the end of the episode, which is extremely rare in today's society of digital distraction. I know we're all super busy creating our optimal lives, so I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me and my guest today. If you'd like to connect with me, please reach out on my website, jacobkeneally.com. And if you found something of value, I'd highly, highly appreciate it if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps so much to get the word out there. And you can find that at the very bottom of all my episodes. You just click the button that says tap to rate and leave a review. That would seriously mean the world to me. Until next time, stay well, stay healthy, and thrive.